So uh, this is Peter Panarchy. Uh, I am the vice chair of the Oregon Libertarian Party of Oregon Public Policy Board. We recently passed a resolution supporting the Rage Against War Machine <clears throat> protest. I am an organizer for the Libertarian Party of Oregon Mises Caucus. I'm joined here uh, by some friends. Um, that uh, let's talk about the Rage Against War Machine protest. I apologize about the difficulties earlier, uh, but let's uh, let's get it going here. Um, we have uh, the list of demands. Uh, I think let's probably just maybe we'll just get into those. So the first demand for the Rage Against War, war Machine protest is not one more penny for, a war, for the war in Ukraine. So. $150 billion have been spent so far on this war on the American side. An unknown amount of that was laundered through the now bankrupt uh, crypto exchange FTX. Uh, the foreign minister of the UK has said that he can't rule out sending F-16s. There seems to be no end in sight for this war uh, with peace terms on seemingly mutually exclusive terms. So really excited about this event going on. I understand uh, Pedro had some notes on some of the speakers that are coming up. That is correct. So hi, everybody in the audience, all friends and people from our inner circle, the circle of trust. Uh, so um, so we, we, we kind of discussed in advance the format of the show. There is a list of speakers, and I'm going to go through one and then uh, I will ask Andrew, Peter, and Fahim to elaborate in which one. So let's start. So uh, first, I'm going to list all the speakers, and I go, I'm, then I'm going to go through each one. So the speakers are Jimmy Dore, and Wright, Dennis Kuchinizic, Andrew Napolitano, Chris Edges, David Swanson, Daniel McAdams, Garlett Nixon, Max Blumenthal, Hania Parampi. Supreme, Tara Reed, Diane Starr, Scott Ritter, Kim Everson, Jackson Eaglin, Greg Pass-Jardulin, and Walt Reed. Well, that's a lot of people, so I don't know about the time that we have, but uh, I guess it's one hour, so let's... Uh, Peter, if I go too slow or too, too much time on each... Uh, too much, it's, I'm going to spend too much time on, on each speaker, just let me know. Guys, interrupt time. Okay? I'll keep you honest. Go ahead, Pedro. Okay. So, uh, Jimmy Dore, I guess everybody knows Jimmy Dore. Uh, I'm going to just read the introduction and I'll go like uh, two or two, one or two paragraphs on the uh, description. Jimmy Dore is described as a stand up comedian, political commentator, podcast, and YouTube personality. Speaker profile is uh, basically what I said, I, I, I guess everybody knows Jimmy Dorson, I don't need to go in detail. I just uh, want to highlight a, a great interview Jimmy, Jimmy did uh, last week in the Tucker Carlson show, which is two minutes of truth about uh, about wars in general, so I recommend everybody to go listen. The next speaker is Han Wright. Han Wright is a peace activist, diplomat, and former U.S. Army colonel design in opposition to the Iraq war. And that's pretty much uh, what it is. Uh, she thought she was against international law to invade another country without uh, a legal mandate, and uh, she resigned, so good for her. Next speak is Ron Powell, uh, which is a kind of a libertarian 
a famous person, so it's a, everybody knows Ron Paul. Ron Paul man, uh, wrote a couple of books and uh, is primarily uh, ideology is the gold standard and, and the Federal Reserve. Peter, do you want to talk a bit, a bit about uh, the Ron Paul since you are a big admirer? So uh, Ron Paul, I think, is the greatest American alive today. Uh, he is the reason why I am a libertarian. Uh, he really spoke to me in 2008 when he was on the debate stage talking about how the war on terror is immoral and it's wrong and it causes blowback. And uh, I just really appreciate he's going to be at the event. Um, I, think he's, I think he's one of the best uh, anti-war voices uh, out there right now. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, uh, Andrew. Uh, I forgot to, to ask every one of you to to, to in- elaborate on each speaker so i already talk uh, ron paul and right and andrew and fahim and anything to add on these speakers that you want to contribute now i'll uh, add to uh, uh, peter's uh, uh, talk on uh, ron paul he was also the first one uh, when i uh, looked at uh, the issue of anti-war and i was like who is this guy uh, talking uh, so much uh, sense on the issue of anti-war. So he was a, a big influence uh, to me. The, the uh, next uh, speaker uh, is uh, on the list is uh, Tulsi uh, Gabbard. And no matter what one may think about uh, uh, Tulsi, she uh, has had some uh, uh, positive uh, things about uh, anti-war on certain I- issues. It's it's a bit of a, a, a thing between uh, all the uh, folks on what may one may think about uh, Tulsi. But Scott Horton, uh, he to me is uh, one of my personal uh, favorites uh, on this uh, talk uh, on the panel for uh, the Rage Against the War uh, Machine. He is a libertarian, but he has uh, voiced his uh, support for people coming from the left against uh, the anti-war <coughs> machine, as well as uh, his whole goal is to convince people on the right that you can be against anti-war and you are not unpatriotic for it. Uh, And the guy has done over uh, almost close to uh, 6,000 podcasts and almost 90 plus percent of it is against anti-war. So hats off uh, to uh, Scott and really good to uh, have him amongst uh, the uh, speakers. Dennis Kucinich, um, uh, the uh, Oh, uh, he was a Democrat uh, House of uh, Representative uh, for uh, in Ohio, and uh, he, because of, of his anti-war uh, stances, basically got uh, uh, gerrymandered out of his uh, district. And uh, the uh, others, uh, if you guys want to uh, pitch in on Andrew Politano and Chris Hedges and all, feel free to do so. But what I wanted to say was this is a amazing medley of people who may be classified as uh, 
uh, a mix of uh, libertarians as well as uh, people uh, from the left, but they all agree on the issue of uh, being against war and uh, U.S. imperialism and uh, the uh, arms industry uh, sucking uh, the blood out of uh, the U.S. Uh, taxpayers and also. Go ahead, guys. Yeah, there's a lot of great speakers here that we really appreciate. Uh, Pedro, do you want to mention any of the other speakers before we get into the demands? Yes, I would like to mention some speakers. Andrew, anything to add uh, on the speakers so far? On the Ron, Ron Paul or any other? Uh, Jimmy Dore, anything, Andrew? I don't think Andrew's with us yet. I will say I love Jimmy Dore. Um, I saw him last year in Portland, Grave. Uh, one of the best uh, stand-up comedy sets I've seen in a very long time. Um, I love that this is a, a, a great event being held by the People's Party and the Libertarian Party. And we have a lot of great people on all sides that are uniting against the issue that is the most important issue of our time, which is stopping World War III. Yes. Uh, so uh, two, uh, two speakers that I particularly like is the, it's Max Blumenthal and Hania Parampil. They are actually husband and wife and they work at the, the Grey Zone News, uh, which is kind of my main reference for knowing what's happening around the world. Max knows a lot about uh, world history and has great, uh, great articles about things. So, uh, so I'm kind of excited about these two. Also, oh, also, uh, one person that I would like to mention is Scott Ritter. Scott Ritter is, um, it was, a, it was a weapons inspector for the United Nations in the 1990s. And uh, he was involved in the invasion to the Iraq war and uh, actually testified in Congress, uh, around that time, kind of year 2000, I, I guess something before the Iraq war and uh, and that's it and recently he has been he is an a Russia expert on the on on he is an ex marine actually so he's a, was in the military and uh, uh, he, I think he was on the Russia uh, kind of the, uh, he lived in Russia as a intelligence officer and uh, he knows a lot about uh, the the Russia Ukraine conflict so i i recommend to to listen everybody to listen to scott ritter so uh, he had uh, some uh, he was actually banned from twitter from kind of telling the truth so like many other people so that's the the three persons and do you want to have anything or peter uh yeah i was just gonna say scott was uh i believe he was a marine intelligence officer um, and his post was the Soviet Union. And so he he also was, I don't know how, like, uh, that he had much say in negotiating, but he was giving information that was used to build some of the, um, I think it was the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty, actually, the one that Trump uh, pulled out of in 2017. So he, you know, he was an on-the-ground inspector in the Soviet Union and later Russia to make sure that they were complying with the, um, the INF treaty. And then he, so he hasn't had like recent experience there, but I do think that that, that has made him 
somebody credible for me when he's talking about like, well, you know, what's the the Russian nuclear and military doctrine? Because it is something that he has had very close personal experience studying for the American and like NATO faction. Anyways, uh, I didn't have more to say about that. Did we? I, I was just going to ask to ke- catch me up a little bit because I was uh, I had to have a phone call really quick. But uh, um, we were just doing intros, kind of, or what are we still? What are we interested in for the protest? We are doing uh, for the most part. But sorry, go ahead, Pedro. I was just going to say we are going through the list of speakers one by one. If I, I like, I already I like my favorite speakers, so I'm, I'm fine. So. Do you want to highlight on the speaker list, Andrew? Um, well, no, I mean, you know, it's a pretty solid list, right? You have the the director of World Beyond War. You have Medea Benjamin from Code Pink. You've got Dennis Kucinich, who is, you know, probably one of three or four politicians in Congress over the last three decades who's actually a pretty solid person. Um, and Dennis Kucinich, I think he said that he voted for the very first uh, defense authorization bill, like his first term in Congress. And then he kind of figured out what was what and voted against every single other one the entire rest of the time. Um, and he was gerrymandered out of his district by the Democrats because he was a bit of a pain in the ass. And they just preferred that he not be in Congress anymore. So I think, yeah, there all, all these people, for the most part, are pretty credible. I I do think that there are uh, very worthwhile concerns specifically regarding anti-war action um, with regards to the LaRouche movement. Um, But, you know, to me, again, like I I am encouraging people to go to these. um, So can you help me out here, Peter? So there's um, there's the D.C. action, which is the main action. And aren't there four? Uh, kind of like support actions in other cities. I, I saw one was in Seattle, and there's three more, aren't there? Yeah, that's a good segue. Um, I will be at the Seattle protest, I think is being held by uh, Anna from the Libertarian Party of Washington. Um, I assume probably the People's Party organization over there. They like uh, myself and uh, Risto. Um, the last episode will be in Seattle for that event. Um, I know there's other uh, gentle events uh, happening at the same time. I don't know of the other ones specifically, but I'm sure there's going to be a bunch. If you can um, send me info on where the other three are, because uh, I remember seeing something online saying that there were four and that one of them was in Seattle. Um, so I'll be at the one in Seattle as well. And there's there. I want to encourage people if I if I know people in another region where there's one of them close by to go. Um, but again, I'm just going to reiterate if there any if there's anyone here who wasn't here last time. I would encourage people not to join really any of I mean, especially like the LaRouche movement, the People's Party or even sorry, the, like the Libertarian Party, because I don't view that as like a serious um you know, building block to anti-war actions. This protest, the one in D.C., it does have a lot of good speakers. I'm I'm sure they're going to say very informative and inspiring things, but I don't expect that this protest will accomplish any of the 10 demands, which I think are all really solid. So, um, and no, Sally, I'll, I'll send you the name. It's not uh, De La Rouche. It's like La Rouche uh, is, is a... He was a fairly prominent political figure in the United States. Um, 
throughout a lot of the 20th century. And um, maybe you might already be familiar with him. So I guess in the, in the 70s, he tried to convince Argentina to boycott its IMF payments um, and some of its other sovereign debt. But they do have a history of, of doing anti-war actions with other groups in the 60s and 70s and then turning over names to the FBI and also like sending out their people to physically attack other anti-war protesters or just socialists kind of broadly. So again, like none of these groups are perfect, but I think in the absence of literally anything else of any scale going on in the United States, I think it's very much worthwhile for any anybody and everybody that we can persuade to attend these protests and to network with people, build local uh, centers of communication with people from whatever political uh, bent. It doesn't really matter to me because we're we're literally just focusing on these 10 demands, this issue that we're already, um, you know, we already agree on. Um, so I'll be, you know, trying to meet whoever I can in Seattle, whoever's going to DC can do their thing. Um, and any of the other three locations. And then I think what would be best is to continue strategizing with that local group, the people who are local to you afterwards. If you want to join or donate to any of the parties or the other organizations, that's fine. I, again, would advise against that, but I think that it's still kind of our responsibility at this point. If you're somebody who does not, you know, is not morally or economically or whatever other reason uh, supportive of the gigantic United States military empire, there's, I mean, seriously, there's there's nothing else of large scale that could catch national attention going on. Um, there are other organizations, but again, most of those organizations are supporting this event, like World Beyond War, Action for Assange. Thank you for that, Andrew. I'll, of course, push back a little bit to just say I think the Libertarian Party right now is a great vehicle to push back against the state and their oppression, I guess, of the American people. Um, fully support like joining the Libertarian Party, but understand like your apprehension there. Um, I guess let's get into some of the demands here. I've already mentioned uh, not one more penny for the war in Ukraine. Uh, $150 billion is a lot of money. Uh, F-16s may be being sent soon. The tanks have already been sent. Any comments on uh, the spending before we move on to the next demand? Well, yeah, just one other thing is like government spending and taxation in the United States are almost completely unrelated from each other. The money that is taxed out of your paychecks or assets is basically just incinerated for all intents and purposes. And there is money created every year by the Fed. So, I mean, I do agree there are many legitimate reasons to not pay taxes, but as far as like functionally, practically, why would you do that? It's not, not paying your taxes, not going to defund the American war budget. Um, I did see some people post this in the chat, I think before the other room ended. So just as a clarify, clarifying point, um, that has absolutely no impact on how many Patriot missile batteries, F-16s or F-35s are produced every year. Um, the taxes is more of like a social control. Um, and anyways, I just was going to mention that. Um, I'd agree with that before we moved on to spending. Taxation is theft. 
of, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree that inflation is definitely the main driver behind the spending and the money that we pay in taxes through our paycheck is really not the money that's being used for this. So the next demand here is negotiate peace. So a lot of people I see on Twitter right now are saying that Russia should just leave Ukraine. And of course, uh, we understand that that's not realistic. And specifically around the issue of Crimea, I mean, it's the only warm water port that Russia has uh, on the Black Sea and I guess in general. And I guess there's just an issue with the the peace terms are so far away from each other. Like Ukraine wants Russia to leave entirely and to face uh, war crime tribunals. And Russia wants to have the territory that it's taken over so far. So I guess uh, any comments on just the idea of the calling a general ceasefire so we can figure out some of these issues? Uh, not to hog the mic, but this is another issue where I think Scott Ritter is going to be one of the most valuable voices because he has negotiated um, or at least provided information crucial to the negotiation of the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty. And um, he has said a number of times that he doesn't think that the United States at this point is able to negotiate anything honestly with Russia, especially regarding Ukraine, and that he thinks that a first step would be to negotiate a new uh, suite of arms control measures, which I think sounds pretty reasonable. Again, like the United States under Bush and then under Trump pulled out of two of the three major arms control treaties between Russia and the United States. So that's already, to me, it's like, that's already duplicitous enough that I can see every reason why Russia wouldn't trust the United States to negotiate about Ukraine. Maybe they would, maybe they would go out on a limb and do it. But also I see similar reasons why they wouldn't trust another round of arms control unless the United States had a really drastic change in government. Um, so I, I think that negotiation should absolutely be a demand negotiation for peace. But I would maybe amend it to like if we're going to if you're going to be pushing a congressperson um, or a senator or whoever else that you are in close proximity to that actually wields a little bit of state power, um, pushing for arms control negotiation to, you know, renew the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty and maybe build another set of other treaties that are more appropriate for the, the current moment would be what I would say. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that is what Scott Ritter will probably say during no, yeah, I agree with all that. And obviously trust is an important issue right now, especially with the recent comments by Angela Merkel and other people saying that the Minsk uh, treaties were just a ploy in order to increase uh, Ukrainian forces to uh, basically shore up any Russian invasion, which did happen. Um, I guess we already talked about uh, stop the war inflation. We talked about that already. Uh, the next demand is to disband NATO. I mean, uh, we talked already, I guess, in the previous episodes about how like entangling military alliances are just a horrible idea and tend to lead to world conflict. I mean, NATO should be disbanded. I mean, I, I posted a meme, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago on the Oregon Mises Caucus Twitter about like how like uh, NATO says that uh, China, I guess, is the, the, their most recent threat. It was just like a circle of like, this is the North Atlantic and this is China. 
Um, they're pretty far away from each other. But yet, yeah, NATO is a destructive force that could be the death of us all if we don't do something to stop it. Uh, anybody here have any issues with just disbanding NATO entirely? No issues at all. Um, and uh, the part that you mentioned about China, the same thing with uh, like uh, countries like uh, Colombia and Qatar um, becoming like affiliate NATO thing. And uh, I just look at it and I'm like, uh, okay, they're, no, uh, they're not even in North Atlantic. And NATO should have been disbanded right after the Cold War. And one thing people may not know uh, a lot of times it's thrown around uh, that NATO wa was in response uh, to the Soviet Union, but NATO was formed before the Warsaw Pact. So that is a important uh, point uh, that uh, is often, or important point in history that is often uh, forgotten uh, that uh, it, it wasn't uh, that the Warsaw Pact was fo formed before uh, NATO, and it was NATO that was formed before uh, Warsaw Pact. And, and since the Cold War has been over, since most of uh, the uh, folks in the panel were uh, in high school, then there's no reason for NATO to exist. It's basically just a mode to uh, for the arms manufacturers uh, to uh, sell more equipment. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Right answer. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Uh, I had one more thing to add, uh, which is that, well, two more things. Not only was NATO formed in 1949, which was almost six years before the Warsaw Pact was formed, actually as a response to NATO, I could get into, you know, the actual reasons NATO was formed, but I don't think that's as useful as mentioning that one of the founding members of NATO was actually Portugal, while Portugal was still a fascist dictatorship. And Pedro, I know that you haven't been in um, Portugal for a few years, but I wonder if you could talk about your thoughts. Is there an appetite in the Portuguese public to leave NATO? Um, has that come up over the years since Portugal had their revolution away from the dictatorship and also? Uh, yes. Um, uh, yes, uh, not, I, I don't think there is like, this is not a, a bread and table issue for the Portuguese people, uh, I guess. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but it's, it's an issue for the political parties. Uh, so Portugal is basically a spectrum left to right. And we, on the most uh, left there, we have communists, which are like maybe 5%. I think they want to leave uh, NATO and uh, other, either other more leftist than them, like they are Marxists. I think they also want to leave. But it's about like 10% of the, of the spectrum. I guess the others are fine. We actually, participate in very peacekeeping missions around the world. So we are not really like a, a pro kind of war, kind of uh, military, I guess. So that's that's my only thought about that. Definitely appreciate that. I apologize, guys, but I only have about 10 more minutes to talk. 
have uh, some stuff I got to do tonight, but let's move on to some of these other demands. Uh, global nuclear de-escalation, I think, is probably the most important thing probably on the table, um, especially if the Americans are continuing to support attacking Crimea. I mean, that could really result in an exchange of nuclear weapons. So I think uh, that's something we should be very cognizant of. And I, I do worry, I guess, that people don't take this seriously enough. I mean, uh, if the United States was being threatened like uh, they were in the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, we saw like how close that got to a nuclear exchange. So I just, I guess I would just restress that I just don't think pe people take this seriously enough. Any any comments on just like the the threat of nuclear weapons happening like in this conflict? All right, hearing nobody, I'm going to move on to uh, go ahead, Fim. No, no, no. Uh, you're uh, right. It's it's taken too uh, casually. It's it's looked at it from a perspective uh, that well, nobody's going to launch it because it's uh, mutually assured destruction. So let's just keep on uh, uh, escalating uh, the ante, and uh, you don't want to uh, keep on uh, uh, pushing the spectrum to the point that. It becomes a inevitable uh, thing, so uh, I, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I guess for anybody that doubts the seriousness of this, uh, go watch Threads, the 1988 movie that came out about a nuclear war that happened between the United States and the Soviet Union over a conflict in Iran. So, yeah, uh, the next demand here is slash the Pentagon budget. I would estimate that no one is uh, against that. I mean, I, I would reiterate that a taxation is theft, in my opinion, as the opinion of the Libertarian Party of Oregon. I guess maybe not them specifically, but myself. Um, let's move on here to abolish the CIA and the military industrial deep state. So, yeah, the CIA is just a horrible uh, organization that should have like been done with uh, a long time ago. I guess, uh, any quick thoughts on why we should abolish the CIA? That one is probably self-explanatory for the audience just looking at who's in it. Yeah, I mean, look at all like the different colored revolutions, and they, they just tried to overthrow the government of Belarus like just not even that long ago. So, I mean, the CIA is probably one of the main reasons why this conflict even is happening in the first place. I mean, just that uh, the Russian bear has been cornered, I guess, and uh, it seems to be biting back. So I guess uh, I get these arguments all the time on Twitter, like, uh, oh, you're trying to justify Russian aggression. I'd be like, well, same question about Al-Qaeda and 9-11. Like, just because like I'm trying to explain like why this happened doesn't mean it's justified. But I guess the next demand here is abolish war and empire. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, restore civil liberties. Uh, those haven't existed in a very long time. Uh, I mean, we all we all fly. <laughs> We've been to the TSA before. But I guess maybe let's focus the last couple of minutes here on, uh, I would say, like, probably should have been higher on the list here. Free goddamn Julian Assange. Uh, probably one of the greatest heroes of journalism. And just has no friends, I guess, just because he exposed like the war empire of the George Bush administration and he exposed the corruption of uh, the Clinton Foundation. Um, 
any thoughts just like how Julian Assange, what's left of him, um, should be freed? Well, I guess with Julian, um, that was also self-explanatory. And I think that that demand is really straightforward. So I don't have like comments on like, well, how would we free Julian Assange? I mean, that would just be a pretty quick few conversations between U.S. and British, um, you know, top brass. But uh, you guys go ahead. I had one other thought about one of the earlier demands, but I'll let Bohemian. No, no, uh, go ahead, Andrew, uh, finish up uh, your thoughts. Yeah, go ahead, Andrew, something on the earlier demands. My thought on one of the earlier demands, which is stop the war inflation, um, is a much less straightforward uh, demand. Um, As far as, you know, like asset and commodity inflation, a lot of that is just straight up price gouging. Um, A lot of it is not necessarily due to the war. It's like a latent inflation from the financial crises in 2019, as well as the financial and manufacturing slowdown from the COVID lockdowns. Um, And so addressing those is more complicated, but the one that's the most related to the war is that oil futures went up a lot. I mean, this war, even if it doesn't accomplish all of the geo uh, strategic goals of the United States ruling class, the, you know, industry, military, capitalists, Congress, etc. If it doesn't accomplish all of those goals, it's already accomplished a very major one, which is to peel the Russian energy markets away from Russia. Um, the oil futures and oil production and the decision to sell, um, you know, energy to Europe for four times the cost of what they were paying before just because it's a great markup, to me, is one of the major ones to address that's really connected to the war. So I'm curious how everybody sees that actually being addressed. Say that, you know, we could affect government policy on that issue. How would you see that actually changing? I mean, I think that's a really good question. Um, Fahim, Pedro, any comments on that? No, I don't have any comments on that. No, not on my side. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty difficult question there. Uh, Well, I apologize. We were kind of cut short for time uh, this week. I guess that's my fault, but encourage any rooms to go on after this. Uh, Next week, uh, we're going to get back into World War I proper and just really discuss, like, the relationship between, like, Germany and England, I guess, uh, Russia and France. I guess uh, just to go over like that in regards to World War One, but I guess the week after that we'll probably have another room just just to really get into this more because I feel like we kind of touched on a couple topics that really deserve like further conversation. But um, Pete, I have a request if you uh, are uh, really uh, closely connected to the Rage Against the War Machine uh, home. Uh, Base. They uh, just uh, when uh, searching on Rage Against the War Machine on YouTube, I just uh, saw that there are a bunch of uh, like small videos as well as a longer video of discussion between like Scott and Maria Benjamin. And it was, I think, hosted by uh, Angela uh, McCardle as well as. Um, uh, 
what's the people's party uh, guys uh, name? Nick uh, Verona. Uh, Nick, yeah. Nick Verona. Yeah. And so none of that stuff was either on the website or it came up. And so if there's some way to get alerts on, uh, okay, here's a new uh, post that came up and just to get people more in tune uh, with it, that would be a, a great, uh, uh, I, I mean, uh, that would be something that we could use to send out uh, to many of the uh, folks in our own uh, localities and it was just by accident when I was uh, uh, looking up uh, the uh, Rage Against the War Machine uh, again uh, today uh, on uh, YouTube I was when I came across uh, these little snippet videos or and even uh, the longer uh, uh, video so it's the saying of what people say that people can buy what they don't know exists so uh, just uh, I, I thought if you could uh, pass the uh, message forward. I guess just to be clear, we're looking for more notifications, I guess, like on the, the changing of the event and like how we could be updated on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any updates on the event, but also um, like updates on anything uh, related to the event, like all of the videos that I mentioned uh, to you. Uh, that are on YouTube, there was no notification and, no, and, and nothing. It was unless you were really uh, type to go and search, you're not going to find it. Yeah, kind of same question um, would be specifically about the support events that are in different locations. I wasn't able to find anything about that on the rageagainstwar.com website, which is where all this, you know, uh official event information is so again yeah i know maybe you're not running the whole thing but if there's a way to pass along a message just where the fuck can we find that information no i think that's great uh i'll definitely be in touch uh andrew i will be in seattle on february 19 uh would be really where nice to it? meet you uh what is it? I, I don't square know. i have to figure that out federal building it's always in uh, Westlake I... square <laughs> Yeah, I, I assume that's probably the case. Um, we'll be in touch, I guess, after this over a private message. But um, yeah, we'll sure. get that out. And we're we're going to have one more podcast, I guess, before the event actually happens. So uh, yeah, next podcast, we will definitely publish uh, all the different tangential events that are happening on the same day. And we'll make sure uh, everybody knows about them. But yeah, really appreciate that, Fahim and Andrew. Uh, yeah, that they have not published that very well so but thanks again uh, for inviting uh, Peter really appreciate it same yes thank Peter did you thank have... you. no I just want to say thank you yeah thank you for joining everybody um, next week on Friday we will be talking about uh, like I said going back into World War One, especially the relationship between Germany and England uh, before World War One broke out, and we will also just be discussing uh, the, any updates on the Rage Against the War Machine event that are happening, and giving full details on all the other events that are happening on the same day. So, uh, any uh, closing thoughts, guys? Andrew, uh, do you want to go first, or do you have anything to say? Um, yeah, 
I guess just um, once again, encouragement to anybody who's going to go to this or thinking about it or just is passionate about ending wars generally, especially from the U.S. context. Uh, make some connections with people and organizations in your local area and start to strategize, figure out what it is that you can do. And I would also say, like, um, there's a lot of anti-war organizations, uh, other parties and things as well, who have done good work over the years, and I commend them all for that. But I think we also need to be innovating on tactics. You know, I, I've been to a lot of anti-war, anti-sanctions, anti-blockade type of protests where there's kind of the same 30 to 60 people. Um, so I feel like, um, oh, Steve says he's organizing the San Francisco event. So that's good to know if you want to message Steve. But yeah, I think it's best if we not replicate all of the same tactics and decisions of the pre-existing anti-war um, organizations in the United States because they have been just really hamstrung ever since uh, Obama's election in 2008, and especially since the Arab Spring in 2011. So it's definitely time to innovate. But anyways, thanks again, Peter. We'll see you next Friday. Fahim, do you have anything to add closing arguments before I go last? No, I uh, agree with a uh, part of uh, basically net networking and uh, growing <coughs> this movement because I, I think as a block, uh, it can uh, result in a uh, pretty uh, solid uh, group uh, that can uh, change things uh, locally and then move on uh, to the next uh, uh, step. Uh, so, uh, no, I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, the only thing I, I want to add is that uh, another speaker that uh, I kind of uh, wanted just to mention is Chris Hedges. Chris Hedges is a famous uh, author and journalist. Uh, I can go quickly to his profile, just one minute. Uh, so he wrote a couple of books around, uh, he, uh, 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 I'm, I'm just mentioning Chris Edges because, uh, so, uh, there is a, a newspaper, uh, a newspaper called the uh, Consortium News and, uh, Chris Mataibi and Joe Lauria, which is the editor, were, did a, a great in, uh, interview. Uh, podcast like yesterday or was it before yesterday so I recommend everybody to go listen to the so the, the site name is Consortium News editor Joe Lauria and Chris Edges uh, speaks with Matt Taibbi about the, the issue was the Twitter files uh, so I recommend everybody to go listen to that thank you again okay thank you for that uh, next week I think we should also talk about what happens after this event like how can we keep like this movement going, this alignment between like the the dissident left and the dissident right, and how we continue to support like anti-war movements. And like I, I agree, like we need to do something after this. We need to keep this going. So thank you everybody for joining. Uh, this has been the Libertarian Party of Oregon podcast. Uh, signing off here as Peter Panarchy, and I say uh, cheers and go have a good weekend because uh, we're all afraid of the nuclear war, but we should try to also enjoy our lives. Thanks.